Uh, before we get started, I do want to make one very special announcement. We are so glad and pleased to be able to welcome to our staff, our pastoral staff here at Friends Church, uh, Pastor Bob, Bob Krause. Here's a picture of Bob. Um, many of you may recognize him, although I got to admit this picture makes him look a lot better than he actually is. Uh, uh, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Uh, Bob Krause is a longtime member, has preached here, has served here, has served here as an elder. And uh, actually, a, a kind of a, a unique position that we've, uh, that we've created for Bob. He's not here most Sundays, and he's not here today, although he is on staff here at French Church on a part-time basis. Uh, Bob is actually preaching senior lead pastor at Cleveland Community Friends, a small French church on the south end of Cleveland that we've been supporting. We've been help, uh, helping with his salary and helping with the support of that church and activities, and we are continuing to do so. In fact, we're, we're even investing in them greater as we try to minister to the, within the city of Cleveland in a greater extent. But Bob has some very unique gifts, and he's sold his business, and he processes selling, and he's going to be he's stepping on, and he stepped on this week as uh, pastor, uh, associate pastor of pastoral care. If you know, if you've ever been in the hospital, hospital, if you've ever been sick, if you've ever uh, needed somebody, uh, Bob is a guy who will drop anything and just come and will visit and love on you and care for you. And so we're so excited to add him here. And Bob also has these tremendous skills with his hands to repair and fix. And so he is also leading our uh, sub-team for our facilities sub-team. And, you know, there's some, some things around the church here you might have noticed over the last few months that maybe just need touched up or anything. It's because we've all been saying, leave that for Bob when he gets here. <laughs> so, so Bob got here and he had this long list of things that, uh, here, start off here, start off here. So this week he's been jumping around and doing a lot of that. So uh, just uh, when you see him and when he's around and we'll try to every now and then maybe send one of us down there to preach and let him come up here. But we're excited about having Bob on staff with us here and minister with us here at French Church. And also, of course, uh, next week starts our, the formal start of our series, Ageless God, Modern Message. What is God saying to you? We believe that God is still speaking. The God who spoke the worlds into existence in Genesis chapter 1, who spoke the word into existence, uh, also speaks to us today. And we'll be hearing about that a lot. And so I uh, encourage you to sign up, get involved in a group. Uh, there's tables out there for you to get sign up for a group to be involved in, but uh, you'll hear more about this, because actually today, I'm um, going to be speaking about this a little bit, a, uh, a why do we need to hear from God, or what is some of the things, or what are some of the things that inhibit us from hearing from God as we look forward to getting involved in this series in this study. So uh, hang on for the next 11 or 12 weeks as we, as we really get into uh, what God has to say to you individually, what God has to say to us as a church, and we're looking forward to that. So today we're starting off with a passage of Scripture, not from the book of John, which is where we will be starting next week. We will be reading through the book of John in this study of the next uh, 10, 11 weeks. But today we are going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, if you have your Bibles there. If you don't, Matthew chapter 13 in the Pew Bibles, uh, you can grab that there, and it's found on page 666. (laughs) 
We're not afraid of that. We're not afraid of that. Page 666, you'll find our scripture reading in the Pew Bible today. No joke, that's where it is. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, reading. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. <coughs> Still others, seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It's a funny thing about hearing. Jesus calls us to hear. I was reminded when I was reading this scripture, the story about the couple who had been married over 50 years. The husband was starting to get concerned that his wife was not hearing him real well. In fact, maybe she was going deaf and started telling his friends, I, you know, I say things, she doesn't respond. And I'm, I'm just concerned that, that she's going deaf and she doesn't know it. And, and they said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to, you need to find a time when she's not looking at you. And when you're across the room, say something. And if she doesn't respond, then you get closer, and then you get closer and, and, until you find out where she hears you. And he says, that's not a bad idea. So he goes home one night, and sure enough, there she is getting supper ready. And so she's working on getting, getting, getting the meal together, and, and she goes, and so he's across the room, and he goes, honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. So he walks about halfway across the room, and he goes, honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. He gets about five feet from her and says, honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. Finally, he gets like one inch from her and says, honey, what are we having for dinner? And she says, for the fourth time, vegetable stew. <laughs> wow. That's fun. I was prepared to say, I know that's not that funny, but you must think it's funny. <laughs> Who's hard of hearing, huh? Who's hard of hearing? I think we deal with that with God sometimes. God, do you hear me? God, I've, I've cried out to you and I don't hear anything. Now, there might be a purpose for that. And Psalm 66, 18 says, if I hold iniquity in my heart or if I cherish sin in my heart, then the Lord has not heard me. But I would suggest that sometimes it's the fact, it's not that God is not hearing us. It's that we're not hearing God. And as pastors, sometimes I know we've been up here before and said we need to listen to God and we, and we need to listen to God and listen through prayer and through reading the Bible, but, but the tools aren't given onto how to do that. It's like sometimes, if you ever, and, and you, maybe you have to be closer to my age to remember this, when radios used to have dials that turned, and you're trying to get just the right frequency. 
And you're, you're sitting there. Now, I used to live, I lived, grew up 65 miles south, a little bit east of here, out in the country. And, uh, you know, radio stations weren't real close to us. And so at night I was there and I would be dialing in and getting everything static and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to listen to the Indians and even the 50,000 watts, I still can't get it very well, you know. And so I start playing with it. And then what do you do? You play with the antenna, right? Okay, must be the antenna. So I get the antenna. And then if you're like me, you say, well, maybe, maybe if I move the radio, you know, so I move the radio and, and try to move it here or there. And trying to get the frequency. I'm afraid sometimes we, we have a little bit of trouble dialing in on that frequency to hear God speak. And yet he says in John chapter 15, my sheep know my voice and they listen to me. On the introductory page of Pray Scripture, the workbook that we have for sale that goes with our um, sermon series coming up, Pastor Stan Henshaw of Canton Friends writes this, everyone can learn to hear God's voice. Everyone. That means I can and you can. Everyone. In the Greek, well, Stan didn't write in Greek. He wrote in English. (laughs) But it means all. It means everybody. Each one of us today can learn to hear God's voice. And over the next 11 weeks, what we'd love to do is to together learn how to hear God speaking. We believe that God speaks. And we believe that we all can participate in that. That is one of the founding key uh, principles of the early Quakers, the early friends, is that God speaks. God has not only spoken the world into existence. He has not only spoken to the prophets, as Hebrews 1 says. He's not only spoken through Jesus, but he continues to speak to us today through the Holy Spirit. And through his word. And when we in prayer and when we through his word come together, he speaks to us. George Fox, the founder of Friends, who had been searching and trying to hear from God, trying to know what this, this, this faith stuff is all about, writes this in his journal. He said, when all my hope in them, that them is the clergy, the clergy who had been trying to tell him how to clean up his life, how to, how to relate to God. He says, when all my hope in them and in men were gone, so that I had nothing outwardly to help me, nor could tell what to do, then, oh then, I heard a voice which said, there is one, even Christ Jesus, that can speak to thy condition. And when I heard it, my heart did leap for joy. You see, we believe God speaks to us today through creation, through his word, through other Christians, that God speaks to us directly. And how we hear, how we hear has a lot to how we've tended or taken care of our heart. And that's what this scripture talks about today. That scripture, <coughs> it's a story very well known. You've heard this parable maybe many times over your lives. And you know that this story, although your Bible, in fact, one of my Bibles that I study out from says a big, a big title on there says the sower. But this really isn't a parable about the sower. In fact, the same sower is out sowing in all cases. 
It's not a really parable about the seed. It's the same seed that is being spread. The gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news, is being spread. The difference here is the soils. And we find the rocky soil, the place where he sows first, the rocky ground where the birds come and take it away. Because of the hardness of the ground. Hebrews 13, 3, 5, 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Speaking of Moses and the people of Israel, he says, don't harden your hearts. Don't be hard. Because this gospel seed that is planted is taken away. And the second one we know is that it's also hard, but that hardness is hidden under a little bit of topsoil, just a little bit, enough to grow. But it says when the troubles of the world, when the trials of the world come, that the, the, the seed, the plant that's grown quickly dies. Reminds me of the sermon series we went through here at Christmas time. We talked about the troubles, the trials, the suffering. But when the troubles and trials and suffering are taken as something that God is, is, is allowing into our lives and allow us to grow, it produces perseverance and patience. It produces character. But in this case, it didn't. It didn't produce perseverance. It didn't produce character. It produced falling away. It produced death because the root wasn't strong. But the, the soil this morning I want us to look at for the remainder of the morning is this third soil. In fact, the verse 7 says this, other seed fell among thorns. It grew up and it choked the plants. Remember this, thorns are always an enemy of growth. Thorns are always an enemy of growth. And in this case, we see this painful, unwelcome plant when uh, 30-some years ago, when we brought our, bought our house in the Damascus area, we had about 10 acres there. And, and it was really nice. The, there was two or three acres that were mowed. And then the rest of it, some of it was forest and woods. But a lot of it was, a, if you're familiar with a multiflora rose. It's this rose bush that grows wild, and it grows high, and it grows, and it just takes over fields. And we had acres that were covered with this stuff that if you walk through, you would get scratched like crazy. And it choked out everything else. And I remember starting to attack those acres of multiflora rose with a pair of hand clippers. <laughs> and I just started going a little bit here and there. And this, those big, I used to call them loppers. I don't know what you call them, but loppers and lop it off. And, and we had a fire ring that was about 50 feet around and threw everything in there and burned a big fire. And I remember one day a couple guys, a couple young kids from the, across, the, across, well, behind us would say, Mister, Mister, why are you tearing down our woods? <laughs> What's this? This is, it doesn't belong here. It's, it's inhibiting growth. In fact, there was, a, there was an orchard right there. I'm trying to get to the orchard. It kills growth. Jesus went on later in verse 22 and interpreted this passage, this scripture. He says this, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus identifies two culprits, two culprits that are keeping the word from flourishing. Two culprits that are keeping spiritual growth, discipleship from happening. Two culprits who are inhibiting fruitfulness 
and creating unfruitfulness. And the first is this, the worries of the world, the cares, the anxieties. In this is the idea of distraction, the distractions of the world. Boy, we know all about distractions nowadays, don't we? Just drive down the road and find the number of distracted drivers. I'm finding I have to drive more defensively now than I ever have in the past. Driving down the freeway, all of a sudden you see this car drifting here and there. I'll bet they're looking at their phone. (laughs) Yeah. Distracted. Where we get our eyes off of what matters. Where we get our eyes off of what God would have us to do. We are drawn in a different direction. And he says we're unfruitful. And if you remember what Jesus said in John 15, he says that those who are unfruitful, I will cut off. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 6, 7 through 9, land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those for whom it is farmed, receives blessing from God. But land that produces thorns and thistles (coughs) is worthless and is in danger of being cursed, and in the end, it will be burned. Jesus calls these the worries of the world, the distractions that cause us to be unfruitful, the distractions that I think create a barrier in our lives to hearing from God. How seriously do we take the distractions? Well, um, theologian Ronald Rollheiser makes this statement in his book, Holy Longing, and it just blows me away. He says this, We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Think about the distractions in our lives that are keeping us from communicating with God. What is it in our lives that have distracted us, that have taken our attention, that have taken our, 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 the, the, what we should be looking at and looking at instead of our relationship with God? What are we neglecting? Someone wrote, we, have, we are in a period of unbridled restlessness. I think once we identify What is distracting us from our growth? What is distracting us? What what are we putting in in the way between us and God? Then we have some spiritual weed pulling to do. We got to get out the loppers. (laughs) We got to start to cut out what doesn't belong. What is it that is keeping me from God? Rollheiser goes on and says this. It's not that we have anything against God. Depth and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, the shopping mall. Oh boy, he's getting kind of personal here, isn't he? Yeah. And the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Have we heard from God lately? That's the question that Stan continues to ask 
in the book? Have we, have we heard from God lately? What if, we, what if we expected to hear from God every time we opened our Bible and pray? And we did. What's the distraction that we need to remove in our lives to do that? I love the, the fantasy life it produces in us. As you know, in, last, in Jan, December last month, Sheila and I were uh, celebrating our 40th anniversary down in Disney. And wow, what a fantasy world. What a fantasy world. But really nothing to do with real life. Rollheiser closes with this. Get this. Pathological busyness. <laughs> Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Compulsive, obsessive. Interesting, he wrote this in 1999. That was before Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or any of those. What do you think he'd write today? (laughs) Distractions. Or John Ortberg who also writes on this in his book, um, The Life You Always Wanted, says this, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Let that sink in for a second. Last week, if you were here, we had a, a wonderful, wonderful service of our Celebrate Recovery. And it was great to experience and, and be part of, of what God is doing here on Monday nights and in our, in, within our church. And many of us came up and during that time grabbed a blue, a blue chip. Our blue chip is our surrender to God. To surrender to God um, something in our lives And uh, whatever that might be, something that's become, in my case, a distraction, uh, a something where my attention has been. Actually, it's this whole issue of of busyness. Um, In his book, "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry," uh, by Mark John Mark Comer, that I've just started reading with a group of men. Basically, he he kind of kind of. Describes himself, but he's, he's, I look at it, I says, well, you're really describing me here, you know. <laughs> Type A personality, get it done, run from one thing to another, always on the move, and sometimes missing quite a bit because of the run. So and this year I said, Lord, whatever those distractions are, whatever that hurriedness is, Lord, I want to I I serve you at a pace, at a pace that's healthy. It's a pace and a pace that brings honor to glory in God. I don't know what your blue chip might be, but there's something maybe in your life that is that, is that distraction, that that's, that's withholding, that's keeping us from having that relationship with God. I uh, run, when you run, you tend to be looking around at things, and, and, and of course the scripture tells us when we run the race in Hebrews to keep our eyes on Christ. And I think about that, and I think maybe part of the problem is with that scripture, and hear me out here, with that scripture and with other scriptures, I hear run the race, run the race, run the race. I really never hear people talk about the Christian race, or the Christian run, or your run with Christ. We talk about a walk with Christ. 
don't we? It's a walk. It's not a run. In fact, Anglican priest, Father Walter Adams, who was a spiritual advisor to C.S. Lewis, said this, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. It never advances it. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, Comer says, a life of speed is not easy to walk away from. A life of busyness is not easy to walk away from. A life where we've gotten, let's admit it, we like our distractions. is not easy to walk away from. A life where I enjoy the social media, where I enjoy the television, is not easy to walk away from. Do you know the average American spends 25 hours a, a week watching TV? 35, excuse me, 35 hours a week watching TV and 15 hours a week on social media. That adds up to 50 hours a week. 50 hours a week. May I say distraction? <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not beating these up. I'm, you know, I remember growing up every time something was was creating a problem, we would sometimes say it's wrong and do away with it. But, I, but it, it can become a distraction. It can become something that takes our eyes off of Christ. It can it's something that can create a busyness, a hurriedness in life because we don't take time to do and set priorities. Over this next 10 weeks, we're going to ask you as part of this to slow down a little bit. And here's the deal. Out of these 50 hours... Out of these 50 hours of a week that we spend, the typical person spends, can you give us one? <laughs> can you give, how about this? We'd even be happy with 20 minutes. 20 minutes a week. As we learn to talk, to talk with the Lord, as we learn to hear, hear from God, the, the, the methods we'll be teaching, some of the, one of them, it, it will say, spend 20 minutes a day. And if you can do it one day a week, that's great. We'd like you to do it three days a week. Can you, can you spare one hour a week to be involved in hearing God, in growing spiritually, of becoming more like him? That's a choice we have to make. Can we slow down? You know, I read this week that before Thomas Edison dis discovered the light bulb, the average person slept 11 hours a day. Huh, I kind of like that. It's amazing how we've filled up our time, isn't it? We don't have enough waking hours. So we're going to be asking you for 20 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe three times a week, an hour, to pray, to read your scripture, and then come together with others and learn more about how to communicate how to hear from God. It's interesting, though. Jesus didn't say it's just the, just the um, worries of life, the distractions. He also said there's this problem with wealth. With thinking, I really don't need anything else. I've got everything I need. Why do I need to do this? I've got good life. Well, Jesus spoke to the churches in Revelation. 
And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, he says, You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You think you're self-sufficient. You think you've got your act together. Like the, like the rich fool, you think you can build all the bigger barns and just continue to grow and, and become more wealthy. Because you don't realize how poor you really are. He didn't tend to a soul. You know, one of the things I saw that I don't know if I ever noticed before in that scripture when Jesus interprets it, he said the seed fell among the thorns and the, it didn't say the seed grew, it says the thorns grew and choked the seed. The thorns, the life we live, can seem very minor. Those distractions, that wealth, doesn't really affect us. But over time, it chokes. It chokes. In fact, Jesus said just before that, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I think Jesus was saying here, get your radio and either tune in or tune out. Tune in or tune out. Get on that frequency with me. Let me speak to you. Let's find out who really is hard of hearing here today. And he follows that up with an invitation. He says this, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. One of the things about this verse that I love and we don't really concentrate on much is this eating with you. One thing I found out is Jesus is not a fan of fast food. <laughs> Jesus is not a dine and dash type of guy. He says, when he says, I want to come in and eat, I want to take time. I want to spend time with you. I remember one of our pastors on the World Renewal board that I serve on was hosting one of our folks from Jamaica for the first time ever. First time he'd ever been to the U.S. And, and they were there and they were, they were driving through a Rally's Hamburger. You know those Rally's Hamburger places? And he said they pulled around, they'd ordered and they pulled around. And he said the guy was standing at the window, walked over, picked up the hamburgers, walked back and said, here, sorry for the wait. And Paul from Jamaica goes, sorry for the wait. <laughs> That's unbelievable. God's not like that. He's more like the 10-course type guy. The meal that takes two or three hours. Spend time with him. Talk. Get to know him. Eat with him. That's what we're going to ask you to do over these next 10, 11 weeks as we work together. It's an invitation. Now, I would say this. Um, it's your choice. Uh, we're going to be preaching through the book of John, and I'm really excited about that. You can come here on Sunday morning, and you can just come and say, okay, I want to come here about to preach about the book of John. That's great. But it's even greater if you say, I want to take this, and I want to I read, and I want to read in a way that it takes 20 or minutes or maybe three times a week, an hour, and I want to I let God speak to me. I want to get involved in a group, and I want to hear how God is speaking to each other. 
I want to in, 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 be involved in this common language now that we have about praying Scripture. I encourage you to do that. Because Jesus, when he's interpreting or talking about why he talks in parables to his disciples, he says this in Matthew 13, 16. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Because they hear. Do you want to hear from God? Do you believe that whenever you open up your scripture and pray that you're going to hear from God? What if you did? What if every time you did? That's our goal. That's our goal. And our goal start with the, starts with the premise that everyone can learn to hear from God. As we close and you leave, if you haven't signed up, I'd encourage you to sign up for a group. Uh, Buy one of the books of, uh, of Pray Scripture. It's, it's more manual. We'll be jumping back and forth. We had training on that yesterday of how to use that. We're excited about it. But I encourage you this week as you go, what's keeping you from having that relationship where you hear from God? Is it a distraction? Is, is there something in your life that, that you say, you know, maybe I didn't pick up a blue chip, but there's something in my life that's been a distraction from, from having a relationship with God. And I need to do some weed pulling this week. I need to get out the loppers. Or maybe, maybe I need to take a look at how I view my wealth and my self-sufficiency and realize that I need others. I need God more than I ever realized it. I did not know I was blind, I was naked, I was poor. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? <coughs> Today, as you go, uh, I just want you to consider what are, what, what are you willing to invest in your relationship with Christ? What are you willing to invest to become a disciple? Going deeper than you ever had before. What are you willing to invest to actually hear from God when you open his word? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you for how it speaks to us. And so, Lord, we thank you for today and thank you for the challenge that you've given us. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us today as we leave these doors, Lord, as we walk out these doors. Speak us to, with us today as we go home and we consider what you have said to us. Speak to us, Lord, as we go to work and home, school this week. And speak to us, Lord, in the high times on those mountaintops and through the valleys that we'll undoubtedly feel and walk through. Speak your words of love, your words of mercy, your words of kindness, your words of correction, your words of discipline, your words of guidance, wisdom, insight, mercy. Lord, speak to us. We need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Go with us now. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. The one who can speak to our condition. The one who gave his life for us. And the one we give our lives to. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.